0: Hi, it's Erica Kohlberg, and before we dive into today's podcast episode, I have an exciting announcement that can help you save an extra $1,000 without having to penny pinch or change your lifestyle. On Monday, I'm running my free five-day savings challenge, where you'll discover simple and creative ways that you can save extra money every month, and whatever you want to do with that extra money is up to you. I'll just show you how to save it. The challenge is totally free to join. All you need to do is go to erica.com go. Erica is with a K and you can secure your spot. By the way, these strategies that you're going to discover can help you easily save money, whether you're a budgeting novice or a finance expert, and they're going to get better and better throughout the week. But I have to tell you, I'm so excited about this and don't want you to miss out. In November of last year, we ran a savings challenge and had over 200,000 people sign up. And on average, people saved $1,005 that month through what they learned in the challenge. That means our challengers collectively saved over $200 million. So trust me when I say you don't want to miss out on this one. And the deadline to sign up to be part of this free challenge is Sunday, 1159 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure you secure your spot and get free access today. Again, that's erika.com slash go, E-R-I-K-A dot com slash go. See you inside.
1: I think it all came back to when I graduated college, I didn't know what I wanted to do for work and I got a job as an investment banker and everyone I knew was like investment banking is a great career. And while I learned things and I love the people I worked with, I just like, I'm not going to love this job for the next 30, 40 years. And I can't have the kind of career where I hate my job. And I immediately thought, I need to figure out how to save as much money as possible and make my life completely financially independent. When you're actually freed to focus only on things you care about, you usually have more creativity and you end up creating more interesting things that actually make more money than that job you had before. So I think if people were willing to test out financial independence, they might actually find that they can generate an income doing something they love way sooner and quit a job they hate a lot earlier in life. I want to help people try to be happy and be fulfilled, get better deals, travel more luxuriously, like do all those things, but keep being able to spend less and save more while they do it. Focusing on happiness, focusing on joy is not something that requires you to cut everything if you start to figure out all the hacks and all the tricks that you can apply to make it work for you.
0: Chris Hutchins is an avid life hacker and host of the All The Hacks podcast. In today's episode, Chris and I discuss how to upgrade your life without having to spend a fortune. I'm Erica Kohlberg. This is Erica Taught Me, and today we're here with Chris Hutchins. You guys know that I love investing because you know that if your money is just sitting in a bank account, you're losing out to inflation every single year. That's why you invest it so that it grows for you without you having to put in any extra work. I've been using an investing app called Webull for almost four years, and I had them do something really special for my listeners. By using my link to sign up today, you can get between 6 to 12 fractional shares for free. All you need to do is open an account and deposit any amount, even a dollar, to claim your free shares. So just by depositing a dollar, you'll get between 6 to 12 free fractional shares. And if you're wondering what to actually invest in, we talk all about investing in episode 28. So go ahead and listen to that episode. To claim your free shares through my special link, just go to ericataughtme.com invest, or click the link in the show notes. And it's Erica with a K. Again, that's ericataughtme.com invest. So I feel like whenever I see you you have come up with some way to optimize another segment of your life. How did this start?
1: I think it all came back to when I graduated college. I didn't know what I wanted to do for work. I didn't even know you were supposed to get a job before you graduate. I thought you get a job after you graduate. And immediately I was like, oh my gosh, I need a job. I asked the dean of the business school. I was like, can you help me get a job? I, I'm so far behind. And I got a job as an investment banker. And Everyone I knew was like, investment banking is a great career. For me, like a very entrepreneurial spirit, it was so defeating. It was like, you must sit here. You must do the grunt work. We're going to go home while you work. And I was like, well, if we all work, like we'd get more done. It's like, no, I'm going to go home. You stay until two in the morning, be back here at six. And so I tried that job. I tried management consulting, which was a very similar vibe. And while I learned things and I love the people I worked with, I just like, I'm not going to love this job for the next 30, 40 years. And I can't have the kind of career where I hate my job. And I immediately thought, I need to figure out how to save as much money as possible and make my life completely financially independent because I don't want to rely on crappy jobs. Now... Fast forward many years, I realized there are things that you could do that you enjoy more than management consulting and investment banking. But that took me down this path of like, let's look at my budget and let's look at everything I spend money on and find a way to drill down and delete costs on housing, on shopping, on traveling, on all the things I loved. Because I think my whole thing was, I don't want to live a crappy life in like a, the woods in like a tiny shed and like make my rake out of sticks. Like I wanted to live the life I wanted to live. I just didn't want to have to spend all the money because I wanted to save it so I could get to be financially independent sooner so I didn't have to work a crappy job.
0: When was it that you came across this concept of financial independence?
1: It was after I was like technically pursuing it. You know, like I'd been, oh, if I save up money, the money will grow and it will grow enough that at some point I'll have enough from each year's growth to pay for my lifestyle. I don't know when I actually found out, oh, there's fire. Like I think it was probably reading a Mr. Money Mustache blog post sometime and I was like, oh my gosh, it feels like me. Someone wrote this thing. But I didn't know it was a movement. And then once I did, I realized I had a slightly different perspective. The whole fire, I want to sit on a beach and do nothing and retire as early as possible wasn't me. I was, I wanted to save enough money so that if I had a job I didn't like, I didn't have to do it. And if I had a job I loved, I could keep doing it. I liked doing things. I liked building. I liked creating. I just didn't want to be forced into anything that I didn't enjoy. And so for me, It's not FIRE, it's just financial independence. Retirement is not this thing I'm eagerly awaiting. I'm just already in a state where I now have enough that I can focus on the stuff I love. And I think the hidden truth of the FIRE movement is that when you're actually freed to focus only on things you care about, you usually have more creativity and you end up creating more interesting things that actually make more money than that job you had before. So I think if people were willing to test out financial independence, save up enough money to take six, 12 months off, they might actually find that they can generate an income doing something they love way sooner and quit a job they hate a lot earlier in life.
0: Quickly for those who may not know... financial independence retire early.
1: Yeah, fire the fire, fire movement is financial independence retire early. There's a ton of blogs and podcasts all about it. And there's it's it's exciting the idea that you could stop working when you're 30 or 35 by aggressively saving is so cool. But what do you do? Like for me I'm like what I just sit on the couch? If you want to spend your whole life traveling, well then oh probably your life's probably going to cost a lot more. So for me, I love the idea of just having the freedom to do whatever you want call it financial freedom, call it financial independence, call it like FU money. You know, Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of names, but that's the thing that I'm more excited about than just not working.
0: What about for people who say, well, you are in investment banking. You're making more than the average salary. Some people are out there saying, well, my salary only covers rent and food and basic expenses. How am I supposed to save more? What are some things that you did to save money that anyone can replicate?
1: Yeah, so I think there's two pieces. So if you want to save more money, you either need to make more money or you need to spend less money. And there are careers that make more money than others. and But a lot of the people I've met in those careers have a little bit more free time, right? I was leaving my job at like, maybe 12, 1, 2 in the morning and going back in at 6, 7, 8 in the morning. So there's no room for a side hustle, right? There is no room to do anything, drive for Uber on the weekends, like you know, do anything. But if you have a job that pays you a lot less, but it's a lot more flexible, right? If you're a teacher and you have the whole summer off, there are a lot of opportunities to go do all kinds of things. And I wouldn't consider myself the side hustle expert. I would hope that maybe there's another episode of this. You should interview someone who's deep on side hustles, but there are tons of ways to monetize your spare time. And I think that that's an opportunity for someone whose day job doesn't make as much to generate more income. For me, the big thing was, where am I spending money and how can I cut back? So for housing, I was like, I need to spend less money living. Like housing's expensive. And so we found a house that was three bedrooms, but we could rent one. And we ended up renting it out as a studio to subsidize the cost of the house. And actually that studio brought in enough income that almost paid for the entire place. And the coolest thing was when we grew our family almost a decade later, we were able to use that, take that room back and not have to move. Because anyone that's ever moved knows moving is a huge pain. So if you can get something and work up the use of the space over time, it's great. I interviewed a guy on my show where he bought an apartment that had four bedrooms. He slept on the couch, rented the four bedrooms out, and made a profit. And that profit was being used to pay down the house. And so after a handful of years, like he's, he owned more and more of this house, and he was making money. And so I love the whole house hacking movement, whether it's if you own a home, building an ADU in the backyard or having roommates when you can afford it. Uh, I think that's one thing, but there are all these like little things. Like I replaced all the lights in our house with LEDs and it sounds silly, but I was watching the energy usage and it went cut the energy usage in the house when the lights are on almost in half because we have these crazy halogen light bulbs. And like, If you don't have halogen light bulbs, maybe it's not a big deal, but for us, it was super expensive. Uh, Washing your clothes in cold water, like that reduces, I think, the energy of a washer by like 90% because it's not having to heat the washer. You're not having to run the hot water heater. Dial the hot water heater down a few degrees. Um, You know, these things are like fun for me, but they also over time, maybe they add $10, maybe they add $50, maybe they add $100. But the goal is every dollar you're not spending, you can save or you can use for something else in life. So.
0: How are you consuming all of this information about these little hacks? Like, I would never know to wash my clothes in cold water to save money.
1: (laughs) I think the way everything works is I'm like, I'm obsessed with learning about a thing. So I'm like, what are my costs? Okay, utilities. How do you save money on utilities? I'm like Googling all over, like, what is a way to save money on your electrical bill? What is a way to save money on your, your heating bill? Like all of the things. And this content exists, but no one really puts it in one place. And so there's a million articles that are like, how to save money on utilities. And I did this interview for a random news channel, and they were like, what are your utility hacks? And I couldn't find a single source of like all 20. I found one place had four, one place had five. And so I just love going deep on an area. I wouldn't probably start with utilities. If you're, I imagine utilities aren't the biggest expense for most people listening to this. But for me, it was like, let's start with the big ones and slowly work our way down. So housing was a big one. So mm-hmm. if I could cut my rent in almost zero, that was huge utilities is in the category so I brought it up but like, you know, maybe it's not that big of a deal, but in California, PG&E, which is one of the biggest electric companies, has multiple rate plans. And they have the ability to go in and change your rate plan and see whether it would make your energy cheaper. And one of the rate plans is like doesn't matter what time of day, it's all the same rate. Another one is during the day when maybe you're not even home because you're at work, energy is really expensive and then at night it's really cheap because so much of the energy usage is at, you know, using air conditioning to cool down buildings. So the day is really expensive. So we just switched to this plan and our energy bill went down like 20, 30% because we were like, well, we're not even home during the day. Why are we going to use our electricity? And you know, even today, my wife and I are like, we always set the dishwasher to run and we do the delay so it runs in the middle of the night so it's a little bit cheaper. And that might be like <laughs> 30 cents a week or so. Like it's not a significant, but it just feels good to know that you're just eking out every little extra dollar because I know I can put that to good use.
0: After the... Housing. What was your next biggest expense that you looked at cutting?
1: My wife and I love to travel. I don't know where I got the travel itch in my life from, but I I have pictures of like sitting on airplanes flying as a kid. My parents really love traveling, and my dad traveled a ton for business. I think a part of my hankering for the miles and points game came from the fact that my dad traveled so much for work that he was like forced into that game. Maybe not to the level I play it, but you know he was flying enough that he had all these miles, so we went on trips. And I just loved going places that I'd never been, because I think one of the things I learned traveling is that in every part of the world, people do similar things and very differently. So the way people live in Africa, the way people live in India, the way people live in Southeast Asia, they're all different, but everyone's making it work. And so we often grow up with this idea that there's just one way to operate. And then you open your eyes and see that there's 50 ways to operate. And I'm like, well, maybe that other way is better. So traveling was this eye-opening experience to see that there might be more optimal ways to do different things in my life, and just being able to see it was awesome. But it's super expensive. Like Flying across an ocean costs a lot of money. And if you're living on a budget of $30,000 a year, that $1,000 plane ticket is like a huge percentage of your budget. So when it came to travel, I was like, what are all the ways to do this? And one way was playing the points game. I'll do a short version of it. So I found if you open up a credit card, you get a huge signup bonus and you can use those points and you can travel for free. So that was the game for getting points and traveling for free and optimizing where you spend your money. And, you know, there are all kinds of fun hacks. Get a card that earns you a lot at the grocery store and then go buy your Best Buy gift card or your Home Depot gift card at the grocery store so you get your 5X points or 4X points at the grocery store and then go shop at Home Depot with the gift cards because Home Depot, you're just going to get one point. So I was trying to find all these ways to rack up points, because then you can travel for free, hotels, Mm -hmm. flights. So that was like a big piece of cutting the travel costs down. But there's all these other things that I kept finding over the years that are ways to do it, even if you don't play the points game. Even if you just say, I just want cash back because it's easy, but I still want to save money on travel. One of the biggest ones for international travel is that, you know, if you think about the U.S., there's a bunch of airlines that most people that don't live here don't know about, Spirit, Frontier, even Southwest, that don't have huge networks outside of the U.S., but tons of flights within the US. The same thing exists in almost every country. You know from living all over the world that there are local regional airlines that don't fly across the ocean, but have really affordable flights. So the trick I like is if you're flying somewhere that's not a major city. So if you're flying to Paris, you're flying to London, this isn't a good trick. But if you're flying to an island in Greece or like a small city in France, instead of looking for, I wanna go from Denver to Santorini, Just look to get to Athens, just look to get to Milan, look to get to Paris, and then buy that last leg separate. Because when you go to a website to search for airfare and you search Denver to Santorini, you're only gonna get flights on airlines that fly to Santorini. There's probably 10 airlines that fly to Santorini that don't fly to the United States. And so that one airline, which might be like Lufthansa or something like, is the only one you get, and it's going to be way more expensive. So if you're flying to an island in Thailand, just get to Bangkok, like don't, or even just get to Singapore. Don't try to necessarily get to the exact destination. And I think you could probably save 30, 40, 50% on flights internationally if you do that. I bet, I'm guessing you've done this before. Yes, (laughs)
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> I did it for my Thailand trip, actually.
1: There we go. Like, it is such a valuable way to save on international flights. Another one, if you're the kind of person who likes to rent Airbnbs, we're in an Airbnb right now, but especially overseas or in vacation destinations, you can go online, look at Airbnb, and you see the picture, right? Whenever you're looking at Airbnb or VRBO, there's like one picture that's like the iconic picture. It's usually the one they picked as the primary picture. So you take that picture and you go save it to your computer and you go to Google image search and you upload the picture and you search for that picture on the web and Google will find other websites that have the same picture. And it turns out that in a lot of countries, there are sites like Airbnb that aren't Airbnb and there are sometimes they charge less fees. So you can find a villa in Mexico on Airbnb, but then find it on another website that's maybe a local site, maybe it's just a different site, and find it 10% less, 20% less, even 30% less. Sometimes you might find a site set up by the owner of the villa, and they're not having to pay a commission to any other website, and you can get it for way cheaper.
0: The best, I did this recently for a trip to Mexico. I found this villa that I loved on Airbnb, but then I found the picture found their Instagram mm. and messaged them on Instagram and said, hey, I know that if we book this on Airbnb, they're going to charge you, I think it's like total 30% fees. Can we just pay you directly and save that 30% so get a 30% discount? And they agreed to it. Yeah, so That's like an easy way to save 30%. And when you're staying in a villa for like 10 days or whatever it was, that's a massive amount of savings.
1: Yeah. And if you can put it on a credit card and you get your like purchase protection, where if something goes wrong much better. Uh, one time I took the risk and did it by, it was like a wire transfer and I it ended up working out, but I was super nervous when we yeah. showed up that there would be no villa.
0: Well, the best thing you can do actually is have them create a custom order for you on Airbnb so that you still have the purchase protection on Airbnb. So basically like you'll have them create, if the villa is $200 a night have them charge you $50 a night on Airbnb for the booking and then pay the remainder off platform.
1: There's another hack. I'm I'm going to get banned by Airbnb for saying this,
0: (laughs) but yeah, so that's what I did. I split it. I had the Airbnb protections and I had the off payment protections.
1: I love it. I'm going to add this to my travel hacking repertoire. (laughs) I mean, we mentioned credit cards. There's a bunch of credit card things. When you book a flight on a credit card, you get a lot of purchase. You get trip delay bag. I want to ask you about baggage because you're way more the expert there. Um, You know, you get like rental car coverage and we can talk about rental cars. So definitely go to the guide to benefits for whatever card you have and look at what you're covered. But I know, you know, like it's not just the credit cards that cover you. If you have problems with your bags, the airlines can cover you, right?
0: Yeah. It's always, if you use the right travel credit card, you actually have double protection because a lot of these protections come with the airlines and a lot of them come with the credit cards. So for example, let's say your bag gets delayed You fly United Airlines, your bag doesn't arrive on time, and now you're stuck at a new city without a bag. And so United Airlines is responsible for up to $3,800 for that delayed bag. And what that means practically is that the first time I discovered this was actually it happened to me. I landed in San Francisco. And my bag was delayed. I had an interview the next day. So I had no clothing for the interview. So I figured out that they're actually going to have to reimburse me for any purchases I make that are reasonable expenses. So I go to Nordstrom. I buy an outfit for my interview. I buy shoes. And by the way, I would never normally shop at Nordstrom. It's too expensive. But I buy all of these things. It ends up being about $500. And you go to the United website. You submit a claim. And maybe after like four to six weeks, they refund you the money. So they send you a check for that money. And that was so easy. That was my first discovery.
1: That's amazing. And Nordstrom has like the best return policy ever, which, you know, yes, expensive. But even if you if United probably said, we're not going to refund you, you probably could have returned it to Nordstrom after the fact.
0: Yeah, they have a really good return <laughs> policy. And then you have that double protection too, because if you purchase it on credit card, most likely the credit card has travel delay insurance or baggage delay insurance. So if for some reason United did not reimburse me, I had that second layer where I could go to the credit card and say, hey, I need reimbursement for this money.
1: That's so good. And then if you're back, don't you also get points even if it's late, but just a couple hours late?
0: Oh yeah, there are a few airlines. So Delta Airlines does this and Alaska, where if your bag is just 20 minutes late, you're going to get 2,500 points that you can then accumulate and use for free flights. And it's the 20 minutes, the timer starts from when the aircraft door opens. And usually it takes like 15 minutes to walk the baggage claim. So if it, if it takes more than five minutes from that point to get your bag, you can just go up to the desk and get those points. And they're very nice about it.
1: Yeah. And I think Alaska now it's automated. Like they have like, they scan the bag and you don't even have to do anything.
0: Oh really? Um,
1: when I get on the plane, it's like, I don't like to check bags, but we have two kids. We're checking bags. As soon as we land, I'm like, I start the timer. The second the door opens, I start the timer. And look, I'm not one that wants to just sit around and wait. But if I get to the baggage carousel and, I, and it's been 10 minutes, I'd rather have my bag. But if it's like 19 minutes, I'm like, all right, don't get anything. Can I distract someone? Can I just get like one more minute so I get some points? And, you know... But my, I've checked some, my wife's checked some. So, you know, now, now that I think about this, we're about to go on a trip. I'm going to check like one bag per person so that we all get 2,500 points.
0: That's so funny. Yeah, now, when I posted this video about the Delta Airlines 20-minute rule, I had people message me saying that this happens to them every single time. So they've accumulated enough points for a free flight just from setting a little timer on their phones.
1: Yeah, I mean, Delta is really good as an airline about offering really low-priced flights For short travel. So I've gone from like San Francisco to Salt Lake City for like 6,000 points. So if you figure three delayed bags, 2,500 points, that's already a free flight. Yeah. It's not gonna get you across the ocean. It's not gonna get you in business class, but like you could get a free flight for bags getting delayed two or three times.
0: Yeah, it's something.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, my favorite hacks are the ones where you get something that you didn't expect and didn't pay for. So my favorite hack, I think more listeners to my show have gotten something awesome because of this hack than any other hack. And it's not necessarily saving you money, but they've earned thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars because of it uh, collectively, not individually. Yeah. So book a hotel like you normally would, but book it with the hotel. So if you're booking a Hyatt, book it at Hyatt's website, booking a Marriott, go to the Marriott website. And then after you book the hotel, email the hotel. And if you can't find a good email for the hotel, call up the front desk and say, hey, I'm just looking for an email address for someone at the reception or manager or some, some person. Email them and say, hey, wanted to let you know I'm staying at your hotel on these dates. Here's my confirmation. I'm so excited. You know, if you're celebrating a birthday anniversary, let them know, really excited. That's it. Maybe two, three days before you show up, just follow up and say, hey, just want to let you know, plans are still on. We're coming. Very excited. I have seen listeners to my show get everything from just a bottle of champagne, a fruit basket, coupons for free drinks at the bar, all the way to the most ridiculous, the, they were celebrating, I think, their anniversary, and the hotel embroidered their initials on their pillows. Now, really cool. To me, I'd rather have champagne than embroidered pillows, but, you know, it's something. And so I've seen big upgrades, like Ocean View from just, like, booking the Garden View. Hotels love hospitality. Like, it's still part of their, their way they operate. And when you book on Expedia, when you book on Orbitz, the hotel gets almost no information about you. And it's really hard for them to build a relationship with you. And it's really hard for them to also earn your loyalty. Mm -hmm. But when they know who you are, when you've booked directly with them, you have a Marriott number, a Hyatt number, they know that you're a little bit more engaged with their property, their brand. They actually want to do things so that you are loyal to their brand and come back and stay at their other properties.
0: If you're listening, let me guess. You have a passcode on your phone. And let me take another wild guess and say that you have a password on your computer. But why are so many of us okay just being completely unprotected online? We have no idea who has all our personal information online and whether it's the good guys or the bad guys who might be selling your information or worse. We're talking spammers, telemarketers, robocallers, People who want to know more about you and even where you live. My sister had her data leaked online, and because of that, her identity was stolen. And it was a nightmare to deal with. We had to lock down all her credit cards just for starters. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Aura, a sponsor of this episode. Aura can identify data brokers exposing your info and submit opt-out requests on your behalf. When I discovered it, I knew I had to try it out just to see if my information had been leaked online, which they let me see instantly after I signed up. And get this, for my audience, they're offering a free 14-day trial so you can see if your personal information has been leaked online. To find out now, go to ericataughtme.com slash aura to claim your free 14-day trial. Erica with a K and aura is spelled A-U-R-A. Again, that's ericataughtme.com slash aura. And I'll also leave the link in the show notes. Yeah. And they give you a lot more flexibility too. Like if you need to somehow, for some reason, cancel your hotel reservation, if you go through Expedia or these third party sites, they give you the runaround. They make it very tough. They say, oh, well, it's less than 24 hours before you're supposed to check in. A lot of the times, if you're booking directly at the hotels, they'll just give you more leniency. They'll say, okay, no problem. Or yeah, you can, uh, we'll change the dates to a week from now or wherever, whenever you need it. they're just a lot more flexible.
1: The same is true with airlines. If you book on some travel sites, if you want to change your flight, you've got to go to the travel site. And the travel site customer service can be a mess. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a flight next week to coming back from Hawaii and the flight was changed by six hours. On the United website, it's just like, if you want to pick another day, any flight, it's free. If I had booked that on Expedia, I'd be calling the Expedia travel desk. I'd be trying to talk to someone, getting them to do something.
0: Oh, I would uh, never, (laughs) ever, ever book any flights on a third-party website always have to go direct to the airline.
1: I have never seen good deals doing that. Hotels, on the other hand, there can be deals. So I just say, if you're booking a hotel on a third-party site, know that there is a cost that will come with it. Most of those sites, you're not going to earn hotel points or you're not going to earn status. Whereas I will say for airlines, you'll always earn the airline points if you, even if you book Expedia. I still wouldn't do it. Yeah. But with hotels? I,
0: no, with the hotels though, I still say don't do it. If you see a better deal on a third-party website, go to the hotel, say, send them a screenshot, say, hey, on this third-party website, let's say Expedia, I saw this price. Is there any chance you'd be able to honor that if I broke directly with you? And chances are they'll give you a coupon that honors that price.
1: I would say if you can't get the hotel to do it and the savings is enough. Yeah. Like if you're booking a room and it's 500 bucks, but on this other site, it's 350. Look, I might take that. You know, you could probably talk about this experience because I think you just had it. You could book a car or you could book a hotel or you could book on this other site where you don't find out what the hotel is until you get there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like you could save a lot of money doing those things. If you don't care about which hotel it is, that's fine. But If you care about which hotel it is, I would not do that because sometimes you might be trying to avoid a hotel as I think you were, and you've got stuck at the same hotel.
0: Yes, it was literally, it was last year when I was in LA, there was a conference at the Sheraton LAX hotel. And after that, like three or four days at these airport hotels, you're so sick of it. So I was really excited to move to a new hotel. And Hotwire has this thing called Hot Rates, where they don't show you which hotel you get, but it comes at like a 40, 50% discount. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm so excited to get out of this hotel. And I click buy and they put like these confetti things to reveal which hotel. And it says Sheraton LAX. And I'm like, come on. This is the last thing I want to do is be stuck at this airport hotel for another five days.
1: If you Google hotwire, like find out the hotel, there are sites that detail out like the way that you can figure it out. Because sometimes they're like it's based a little bit on like what is the TripAdvisor ratings. There's like three or four ways that you can triangulate what hotel it is beforehand.
0: Well, the problem is, so I did there. <laughs> first of all, there's a plugin that you can do this with now, apparently. But the way I used to do it, the old school way, is they'll show you three or four images of the hotel, and sometimes that's silly. Sometimes you look on the TV in the background, and it'll, and it'll say Intercontinental. So I'm like, okay, that's the Intercontinental. But what you do is the pictures that they show on the browser are going to be different from the pictures that that they show on the mobile version. Ah. So you download both the app and go on your browser, and then figure out which picture is in common with the different hotels. And then you can pinpoint which hotel that they're gonna put you in.
1: Except this time.
0: <laughs> no, so I did, I did it correctly. I knew exactly which hotel I was gonna go into at like the $80 rate. But then very last minute, I was like, let me be a little baller. Let me pick the $89 hotel that I didn't do the research on. So I did the baller move, and that's how I ended up at the Sheraton You got to read the again. fine
1: print, and you got to re- do the research. <laughs>
0: and not make impulse <laughs> decisions.
1: <laughs> um, what else in travel? The only other one around car rentals, you can save a ton of money on car rentals through programs like AAA and Costco. I know a lot of people have a Costco membership for the sole purpose of like buying stuff at Costco, but they're membership also gets you great car rental discounts. On rental cars, Costco gives you a free extra driver on top of the fact that their rates are like usually 20% off rack rates. And then AAA gets you a free extra driver, but it also gets you waiving the underage driver fee, which if you're under 25 is like a huge cost and it's per day. Um, I think they also give you a free car seat if you're traveling with kids. Uh, so I like making sure that those rates exist. I am not compensated by this, but I love this site, Auto Slash where you just type in where you're going and they will go find you the best car rental rates. But they'll also look at the Costco rates. They'll look at all the rates of like, I'm a United member, like nothing special, just free to sign up. And then they'll come back and they'll say, we found you the best rate, but you have to be a United member. Okay, great. Sign up for United Mileage Plus account and go book that rate. Um, and then they'll just monitor the car rental. And if it gets cheaper six weeks later, before you leave, they'll just email and you say, hey, the rates went down. And car rentals usually can cancel for no fee. Um, Sometimes you'll see that prepay f- to save money and you'll be like, oh, I don't know. But most car rentals, you can just cancel up until, you don't even have to cancel. You could can just not show up because you're not have to prepay anything. So they'll just say, hey, we found a better rate. Great, rebook it. Um, So that's great. If you do have to prepay, sometimes you look and you're like, oh, it saves me 20 bucks. Sometimes I found it's, we're looking next week and it's going to save $150. But the prepay rate, if you read the terms, I read the fine print, um, <laughs> you'll see it's like, it's not really prepay, get nothing back. It's prepay, and if you don't go or you have to cancel, you have to give back $50. So if you're going to save $150, like, it might actually be better to prepay. And if you don't need it, yes, you gave up 50, but for the upside of saving 150 versus losing it all. So if you ever see that prepay, read the fine print. Some of them are prepay, but if you cancel more than two days out, you get all your money back. So it's not fully all your money's gone when Mm -hmm. you prepay for car rentals.
0: What else have you done for travel?
1: My only other big travel thing that I'll share, and obviously I'm obsessed with this, about a third of the episodes I do on my show are all travel points, miles, everything. So I could make this whole thing about that, but I don't want to. But if you're searching for flights, Google Flights is like the only tool you should be using. Not only can you just say, I want to go from A to B, which every site will do, but you can say, I want to go from any of three airports. So if you're in LA, you could say, I want to go from LAX or Burbank or Santa Ana. Like if you're in San Francisco, you can go from Oakland or San Francisco. You can go in and not put a date You could just say, show me, I want to go from San Francisco to this time. And you can look at the calendar and scroll through dates and find when it's cheapest to go somewhere. You can not put a destination. You can say, I want to go for a week to somewhere and drag the map around the world and say, how much is it going to cost to go here? And you can also use all their filters on the map. So you can say, I only want one stop or I don't want to fly on this airline. And it'll update this global map of anywhere you can go. So I love going on Google Flights and saying, here's a week we have off. Here, I don't want to take more than one plane change. And I want to spend under $1,000. Is there anywhere cool I can go? And I think it's like the best search. Like we said, you don't have to book on Google Flights. You find your flight on Delta, United, whatever. Go book on the airline website. But their search engine for flights is better than anything else.
0: It's so good. The only tricky thing now with airlines is what a lot of the low-cost carriers are doing is they have very low flight tickets or very low flight prices, but then the baggage fees are so wild. And I feel like it's gotten worse over the last several years. Like I was flying from Orlando to Vegas and I looked at Spirit and Frontier and one of them, it had a much lower flight price. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll go with that. But then I looked at the baggage prices and I think it was Frontier. Wild. It's crazy. So crazy. And baggages across the board, I feel like they used to be 50 pounds, but now they're all 40 pounds. And to go from 40 to 50 pounds, it's an extra $50.
1: Yeah, and I think Frontier or Spirit, one of the two, charges you for your carry on. Yeah, they so do. I do know that Google Flights, if you add bags, it'll update the prices and show you the with bag fee. So you, anytime you're using Google Flights, if you're going to carry on or check, put that in there um, because that Frontier flight that's like, oh, it's only twenty nine dollars goes to like ninety nine dollars when you add on a carry on <laughs> and a check bag. Oh, um, smart. So Google Flights will add that in there. Um, I think the number one travel hack is just avoid Spirit Airlines at all costs. Uh, I know it's cheap. I know it saves you money. But man, the customer service is so bad. We flew to Columbia, the country once, and Spirit Airlines, while we were there, stopped flying to Columbia. So when we went to check into our flight, they were like, to go home, we were at the airport. And they're like, sorry, we don't, we're not going to fly this route anymore. And we we're like, what do you mean? And they were just like, we need time to figure it out they were handing out hotel vouchers and that was it like they weren't like we know how we're going to get you home they're just like come back tomorrow and so we ended up the group of us we just ended up buying tickets it was super expensive and i tried to get spirit to refund us i think we got money back for the flight but they we certainly didn't get back enough to buy regular price tickets day of um and for that i will never fly spirit airlines again But I'm sure you can save a lot of money. And if you're okay, if your flight gets canceled and you're stranded, then, you know, by all means, go for it.
0: I flew them a few weeks ago. They weren't so bad. I think if everything goes right, it's not so bad. I've never had an experience with them where things went wrong. So maybe I'll have a different opinion then.
1: Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I think you pick any airline on earth, ask enough people, and someone will tell you why that airline is the worst airline in the world. That's true. Because if you have a bad experience, which you can have on any airline, you're going to be frustrated. So I wouldn't... You know, just because you had one bad experience on United doesn't mean every United flight's going to be bad. Yeah. I've just heard a lot more of the spirit stories than other places. I
0: know. I will say, though, I've been kind of surprised because whenever I post a flight-related TikTok or whenever I post a flight-related hack on Instagram, I get tons of DMs from people who are doing it and saying, I had success. And guess which airline I see the most success stories from. People emailing this airline and saying, hey, my flight was delayed by an hour or two, even if it's weather-related, and the airline giving them money.
1: I'm going to guess Alaska.
0: No, I feel like Alaska might be good, but there's just not enough.
1: I mean, I want to say Southwest, but I'm- It's Southwest. Okay, okay. So I flew to LA. We're in LA right now. I flew here, and the Wi-Fi, I paid the $8, and on the plane, the Wi-Fi just stopped working for 20 minutes, I landed, an hour later I got an email that said, hey, we noticed your Wi-Fi was bad, we're refunding you $8. I didn't even have to email them. I was like, this Southwest customer service is fantastic. I don't know why I assumed, like I don't know why I didn't assume them. Yeah, no, Uh, they're
0: really good. so good. They'll give out $150 vouchers, $200 vouchers. I've seen up to like maybe $400 vouchers for just like a delay.
1: Yeah, and free check bags. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's so frustrating about Southwest is they don't show up on any search engine. So it's like when you're searching for flights, if you want to go from SFO to LAX, it's like, what is it on Google Flights? Okay, what's the cheapest? Now I'm going to go to Southwest website and search because you just can't search anywhere else. And there, you from San Francisco to LAX, Southwest I think flies from like three Bay Area airports to like three LA area airports and they don't have all the fancy searching features. So you've got to do one individual search for each one. So for as much as I love their customer service and flew them to and from where we are, I wish that their search was easier or they let you search for their flights on Google Flights.
0: That should be your next company you start (laughs) helping Southwest. Yeah,
1: helping Southwest build. (laughs) They do it because they want to build loyalty and they're like, if we can build loyalty to a customer, they're going to search on Southwest first,
0: mm. and I know
1: lots of people that do that. Especially once you have kids, and you're like, ah, oh, free checked bags. You know, you don't have to worry about paying extra for seats because you just pick your seat, and it's way easier as a family. You get to board early. So I know a lot of people with kids that just like that's just where they search first, and if it's reasonable, they just buy it.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but I like to optimize, so I want to make sure I get <laughs> it all in there.
0: I recently went on an anniversary getaway with the husband, and it was beautiful. Here's everything I got for free. We got free business class tickets for an international flight, which meant, yep, you guessed it, I got free access to the lounge where we could kick things off with a glass of champagne. Then we got a free stay at a five-star hotel where we could relax and go to the beach. Okay, so now I'm sure you're wondering how I got it for free, and you know I don't gatekeep. so here's the insider knowledge you need to know. I did it by signing up for a free built credit card. Built is a credit card that lets you earn points just for paying your rent, and there's no extra fee. And when I say free, I mean free. There's no annual fee for the credit card, and they don't charge a transaction fee for paying your rent with the card. You'll also earn two times the points on travel and three times the points on dining. Once you get your points, you can transfer them to travel partners like airlines and hotels to then get the free business class flights or five-star hotels like I did. To sign up for this card, go to ericataughtme.com slash built. Erica is with a K and built is B-I-L-T. Or to make it easier, go to the link in the show notes. Again, that's ericataughtme.com slash built. I know you were telling me once that you and your wife traveled for, I think, seven months on $30 a day. How did you pull that off?
1: Yeah, so we both were working jobs that we didn't like. And we said, we should take a trip. Like I was ready to, I was doing some freelance work and I was like, ah, this isn't for me. I'm going to go try to find a job. But before I do, maybe we take a trip. She hated her job. And she was like, I'm going to quit this job and find a new one. So we put this big map and we we're like, where should we go? And we started putting pins on the wall. And we we're like, God, that's a lot of pins. Like the average person can take maybe one or two weeks off a year um, outside of maybe time they're dedicating to spend with their family. And we were like, there's like 20, 30 countries we want to go to. This is going to take us decades. And We were doing some research and all of a sudden we just found some blog of some person that was like, oh, I just quit my job and I traveled around the world. And we were like, that's a thing? Like people could do this? And within like two weeks, we were like listing our furnished apartment on uh, Craigslist to try to find someone to rent it, which it turns out you can usually rent your furnished apartment for more than an unfurnished apartment. So we actually made a profit renting our apartment out and we packed up two backpacks, like carry on backpacks and we bought a one-way ticket to South Africa and we were like, let's go. And the coolest thing about long-term travel is that it's really cheap to take buses and trains and it's really expensive to fly. So if you're willing to go slow, you can save so much money. And you know, we were also at a point in time of our life where we were willing to do the hostel thing and couch surfing. And so I would say 50% of the nights were all in couch surfing. So we had no accommodation costs and we were just eating local food. And we just trekked our way around the world for seven months And it was so inexpensive. I think total, each of us spent $7,000 in seven months. Wow. Um, Which I think if I wanted to go on one trip and buy the flight to South Africa, like you're going to spend almost half of that in a week-long trip. Because when you have a week, you want everything to go as planned. You're like, I want a nice hotel so I can get refreshed because I only have seven days and I want to land at this time and I want to plan all these activities. But when you're going... On a slow trip, it's like, well, it's kind of okay if I get there and something doesn't work out because I have so much time. So that was like the most eye-opening experience for us was being able to. We took a fifty-two-hour train ride once through the middle of uh, Tanzania and Zambia. We met all these interesting people because, and the train broke down, and then we just hung out in a village for four (laughs) hours. And when the train breaks down, you they just say get off, do whatever you want, and then they just like blow the horn of the train and that means we're leaving in five minutes. So we were just in this village like meeting people and then we're like, oh, we got to run back to the train because (laughs) I don't, we're probably like, you know, a five-day drive from wherever (laughs) we were going. But it was an amazing experience. I would say if you have the opportunity to take a slow-paced travel trip where you don't need flights to cross everywhere and you can take a bus, you can take a train, you can meet locals, um, I would say try to prioritize that sometime in your life. Right now, we have two young kids. I would not try to prioritize it now. Maybe before, maybe when the kids are older. We met people that did it with their kids. So it's it's not a non-starter to do as a family, but it's just so amazing. And you get to see countries in a different way because you're not trying to bang out all of these things, right? Like you just go on the free walking tour. Every city has a free walking tour. If you Google online, there's a free walking tour in every city. And the tour guides are so good because it turns out when you're a tour guide, That's only doing it because it's you like you you make tips but like you don't make a ton. You're doing it because you love it. Tour guides who love their job are so good. Yeah. So go have a drink with the tour guide after. Like these people are there because they like meeting tourists and like showing their city around. So that's another travel hack. Together is just go on the free walking tour as soon as you get to the city.
0: Those are so fun. On the travel note. I'm so jealous because you have 12 million points and I just hit a million points and I felt proud of my million points, but you're 12X that. How do you get 12 million points?
1: Well, first off, a million is great. Like, thank you know, you. <laughs> you should be proud.
0: I use them up though. because oh. I'm, I'm flying internationally. I'm mm. going to do business class. so I used up a bunch of them. So I don't have a million anymore, but. So some
1: of that, look, I think if you work at a company, which I didn't or haven't in most of my career and you have a ton of expenses, that's great. But that's not most people. The two biggest ways—I think there's three big ways that you can earn points. Sign-up bonuses are huge. Almost at any given point in time, there's three to five credit cards out in the market that, if you can spend, let's say about three to five thousand dollars over three months, you can earn seventy-five to hundred thousand points. So opening up a card every quarter is not like totally crazy. Uh, it's not going to kill your credit, obviously. Take all of this with, if you aren't paying your balance off in full, this is not a strategy for you. Like, you know, the cost of accruing interest on your credit card is never going to be worth the cost of points. Ever, ever, ever. Uh, Don't do this. Don't play the points game until you're paying your credit cards off in full. However, if you're paying your credit cards off in full, opening up a new card every quarter, six months, spending regular spending on it. Don't go spend money you don't need to spend to try to earn bonuses, but spending your regular budget And earning 100,000 points every, you know, three to six months, if you have a partner, 200,000 points every three to six months can really help. That's one. Um, The other is just looking at where you spend your money and making sure you're optimizing your cards for that. If you spend all your money dining, don't go get a card that earns five points on airlines. Like get a card that earns three points on dining. And, you know, pair that up with maybe another card that earns one and a half or two points on everything else. So try to optimize your cards to that. The other one is find creative ways that you can trade your time for the ability to put expenses for others on your card. So the simple version is you go out to dinner and everyone's like, oh, it's such a pain to figure out who owes what. I was always the one that was like, let me grab the bill, I'm going to do all the tallying. I'm going to figure out what everyone owes me and I'll just put it on my card and I'll send a Venmo request for everything. So I was always that person. Um, I was
0: too, (laughs) as you can imagine. (laughs) Yeah, like,
1: of course. So anytime you have a chance to do that, if you're buying something, uh, I was always the volunteer when I was like, if I'm part of an organization and they're like, oh, we need to buy this thing. Who wants to put it on your card? Yep, me, please let me put it on my card. One time uh, at my wife's company they were like, "Oh, we don't we don't have a high enough limit on the corporate card." And my wife's like, "Yes, we can do it. We can do it on our personal card." But what I did was group trips. So for me, it was a lot of bachelor parties and some bachelorette parties that my wife was going on. There was always like needing to book hotels, flights, everything. So I would just be like, "I will play travel agent and I will find the villa or the hotels. I'll coordinate it all." And then I went one step further and said, and I will buy everyone's flights. So we're all on the same flights and we all get in at the same time. And I'll come up with the total and you all just need to pay me that total. Depending on how much you trust your friends, have them pay you before. Uh, if, you, if you trust your friends a lot, they can pay you after, but you don't want to get stuck holding the bag uh, with all these credit card bills and no, no money to pay them off. But if you trust your friends or if you can get them to prepay you, book all the hotels, book all the flights on your card. You have 10 people going on a bachelor party. Maybe you need three hotel rooms. Those three hotel rooms are $200 a night. You got $600 a night. Maybe it's three nights. There's two grand on hotels. You're booking 10 flights. Maybe they're 300 bucks. You got $3,000 on that. You got $5,000 of expenses in categories that the right card will earn you three to five points per dollar. All of a sudden, every time you plan a group trip, you're earning like maybe 15,000, 20,000 points. Um, go on a big one with 20, 30 people, maybe you're earning like <laughs> close to 100,000 points. Like, so I was planning every time someone was like having a bachelor party, whether I was invited or not. Like, it doesn't have to be me. Like a friend of mine's like, oh, I'm going to this bachelor party. I was like, oh, who's organizing? He's like, oh, I got to organize my college buddy's bachelor party. I'm like, do you want me to organize it for you? Like, I don't need to go on that. One time I went on a bachelor party. There wasn't even, I didn't even know the person <laughs> because I organized this bachelor party for them, earned all the points, planned the whole thing. And at the very end, they were like, hey, One guy canceled, and one trick if you're organizing group flights is there's a group airfare desk at every airline, and you can get a better deal booking flights for 10 people if you go through the group desk. One of the things they let you do is at a certain point, you can actually change names for free. If you go buy a flight on United, you can't call United and say, let's put my friend on this, but with a group desk, you can. So they emailed me and they're like, hey, we've got this house in Mexico. We've got a flight. We can change the name. We don't have anyone to go. Like, do you want to just come for free? And so I went to this bachelor party for a person who I didn't even know. I knew one of the attendees. Oh my gosh. But, you know, it was a free trip. So I got a free trip and I got like 20, 30,000 points.
0: You know what we were talking about earlier about side hustles, how people can increase their income? That's a good side hustle. Become a bachelorette party or bachelor party organizer yeah, and get all the credit card points. Make sure they pay you up front for it and just organize those trips and then make millions of points (laughs) that you can then use to go take first-class flights for free wherever you want to go.
1: Yeah. And if you're booking a lot of travel, there's this thing called host agencies where you can go like sign up to like work under a travel agency. And usually they'll take You know, every time you book a hotel, there's 10% commission. They'll take 30 of the 10, you keep seven. But you can go sign up for these for very inexpensively. So if you're booking a lot of travel for people, you can also, you get the points, you can get the commissions. And maybe if you turn this into a business, you could charge for your time.
0: And like, what about the
1: trifecta there? Every time you plan a trip, you're making money, earning points, and then making money somewhere else.
0: That's so good. Especially if you live in a city like Vegas, where you know the area, you can meet the promoters, you can get a commission there. Like, there's a lot you could do.
1: Yeah, so I feel like I picked an area which was like Cabo San Lucas in Mexico, where there's villas, it's super easy from the West Coast, and I was like, I know everyone, I can help you make this out. We we know the dune buggy guy, we know like everything. So
0: oh, that's brilliant.
1: I don't know. That was my like huge. I probably did twenty or thirty bachelor parties, and that racked up a lot of points.
0: Wow. So I did. I did the corporate route when I first got into points. I was just about to start my job as a corporate lawyer at this big fancy law firm, and. I had no idea how to spend enough money to get the signing bonuses. So once I got to the law firm, I found out about the summer associate program, which is how they bring interns in after the second year of law school. They wine and dine them all summer. And then at the end of the summer, if they perform well, they give them a full-time offer. Well, I found out that the budget that they have for these internship programs is wild. So at the law firm, we would take them on helicopter trips of helicopter tours of the city. We would take them out to these fancy dinners with like thousands of dollars for the bill. And I would just put all of these on my credit card but it was funny because they picked three people to become the summer associate program coordinator. And it wasn't a paid position. It was just an extracurricular on top of our normal 9 a.m. to 3 a.m. job. But the benefit for me was that I got all of these points through plenty yeah. of these trips. There was one time we planned a cruise for the summer interns. And the cruise ship, I think, cost $20,000. And then there was an option to add on a sushi chef who would come on with a tuna and carve the tuna for you. And that was maybe an additional $3,000. So I was like, yep, check check that box. So I, I got so many points. But of the three summer associate program coordinators, there was one other one who was really into points as well. Oh, so you had, so to, we would, you had like, to balance oh, it? Oh, yeah. Mm. We had to we had to balance who would get which activity. So that's why I always like came up with the ideas for the more expensive activities. <laughs>
1: You're like, do you want to plan a hike, and I'll plan this cruise with a sushi chef? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I found that for some reason, people that work at companies hate expense reporting so much that it's very easy to volunteer to pay for something. Uh, If you're, can I plan the bowling trip next time? Can I like just volunteering to plan events where, especially when someone else is paying the bill?
0: Yeah, amazing. And then you just have to trust the company to pay you back to reimburse you before your credit card bill is due. Because I had these like $20,000, $30,000 credit card bills and I didn't even have that much to my name, so. (laughs)
1: Oh yeah, I remember so many of my friends always asking me, how do you manage your finances with your partner? Because my wife and I have been together now for, I don't know, 18 years. And I would always say, well, we have separate credit cards. And they're like, why do you have separate credit cards? You're paying the annual fee twice. And I was like, because I'm doing these bachelor parties and my wife hated looking at our credit card statement and being like, what is this $25,000 on flights and (laughs) hotels? And I'm like, no, 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 it's not us. And she's like, can we just have separate cards so I don't have to see this? So I ended up doing it very, we we now still have separate credit cards because I'm always like every now and then doing some weird little point side hustle to maximize points. And I don't want her to be stressed out about the fact that there's a random $5,000 expense. And I'm like, no, no, it's not a real expense.
0: Even with 12 million points, you're still finding these (laughs) ways.
1: I mean, it's become a thing, right? We've talked about points, but like just getting deals like buying shopping online, like that's still like I even if it's a dollar savings, like I want to find the things that can save money because it's kind of a game for me, but I know it all adds up at the end. So as much as I love saving money on travel, I also love saving money on everything from deals to groceries to everything. So that's what are your just who favorite
0: I what are your favorite tips for that?
1: So there's one that I'm like, I don't like this one, but I'll share it because I think it's so cool. They did this study that found, like grocery stores, you might not know this, are very, very specifically laid out. Like everything there is engineered for you to spend more money. And so I interviewed this woman uh, about, who wrote this book about like 275 money hacks. And the grocery store one was, when you get to the grocery store, take your cart and go all the way to the other side and walk the grocery store backwards because you, on average, they found people saved like 3% on their grocery bill because they just, the way the signage works, the way they're trying to entice you to buy things, you'll avoid some of that. So if you just want to save two, 3% on your grocery, just walk backwards in the grocery store.
0: Oh, interesting. So my dad growing up was working at a grocery store as a manager of a grocery store. And Another one I learned is that they put things for kids at kid eye level and then things for adults at adult eye level. So that your kids see whatever fruity loops are is that a word fruity loops? Fruit loops. Fruit loops. <laughs> they see the fruit loops and they, the kids want that. So yeah. then they put it in the basket and then the old adults see what they want and they put it in the basket. So I don't know what the solution to that is. Maybe it's put your
1: kid in the in the Keep them as long as possible in the cart. Yeah. And the kid's like nine. You're like, you're sitting in the cart because <laughs> I want you at my eye level. Um, yeah, well, I mean, this it's funny. At Google, uh, Google was trying to help employees be healthy. And so they didn't want people to eat all these unhealthy snacks. And instead, But if you got rid of a snack, people would go revolt. You can't get rid of the peanut M&Ms. So what they did was they just took the peanut M&Ms and they put them not in glass containers. They like put covers around them so that you couldn't see the peanut M&M. So they were there, but you couldn't see them. And the consumption of peanut M&Ms at Google went down drastically. And this is a tactic for you at home too. If you have a thing that's unhealthy that you just kind of like having around, like cover it up, put it somewhere, put it in a drawer and you're just much less likely to have it. And if you still struggle with cravings, which I do, uh, don't have it in the house. Well, I'm really good at don't have it in the house. My wife has so much self-control that she's like, I'm not going to not have it in the house because you don't have (laughs) self-control. So my new rule is, if I see something and I want it, I say, I can have it in five minutes. And it gives me the peace of mind and the satisfaction that I can have it. But in that five minutes, I get distracted. I go do something else. So my wife will bake cookies and I'm like, okay, I can have one cookie. But the second cookie, I have to wait five minutes. By the time five, I'm like working on something else, I went out, down to the basement, like I'm not in the kitchen looking at the cookie. So my trick is give yourself five minutes to have something that you know isn't good for you. And you'll probably, some of the times you're going to come back, sometimes I come back five minutes later. I'm like, it's five minutes. I'm eating that cookie. But sometimes I just like give up. And, That's crazy
0: discipline. It. If I bake a batch of cookies, I will eat every single one. I do not have discipline. when it I have
1: sweets. none. But this five minute thing has helped me because if I say don't have two cookies, No, I want two cookies. But if I say I I can have one cookie every five minutes, then I'm like, my brain is like, okay, I can eat all 12 cookies because all I want to do is eat all the 12 cookies. Now I have the discipline to eat the 12 cookies.
0: I bet you're a rebel. Have you heard of Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies? No. No. So she, there are four types of people, and I forget what the other three are, but one is a rebel. And I feel like you have rebel tendencies. Like if I tell myself not to do something, if I say don't eat those two cookies, I will go eat the two cookies. Like I rebel against myself, and I rebel against authority.
1: Every teacher I know was like, oh, I like that you're resourceful, but you are so frustrating. Managers, teachers, all my colleagues are are like, you know, I love working with you, but man, I wouldn't want to be your manager. (laughs) Uh, I was the kid, I remember, in geometry. So I went into geometry class in high school and I opened up the book and I was like, geometry for me just came so easy. And I, I was like, took the book, took the syllabus, and I just started the whole class ignoring the teacher and doing all the homework for the whole semester, trimester, whatever it was. And then like by day four, I had done all the homework for the whole class. And I went to the front. And I was like, here's all the homework for the whole class. Can I please not come to your class? And like, why would I need to come if I could do You can grade it. And if I did wrong, I'll, I'll stay. And the teacher was like, okay, I'll look. And he's like, oh, you can do all the homework right, but you still have to come. And I was like, I would sit in the back of the room and I'd be like, this is so dumb. Like, why are the rules this way? And I'm just wired to not want, like, I just want to find a different way around.
0: I want to be efficient. So in law school, the way it works in law school is your final exam is 100% of your grade. So there's no such thing as participation points. There's no homework. It's just you have one final exam. It's usually three to five hours. That's 100% of your grade. And so I was taking this class called Corporations. And the teachers spoke really slowly and I just don't have the patience for that. So I realized that all of these classes were recorded. So what I did is I didn't attend class. By the way, if you're listening and you're a student, I don't advocate, I don't promote this. But <laughs> So I didn't attend for the whole semester. I was working on side hustles in different companies that I was building. And the last two weeks before the final exam, I got all the recordings. I listened on 2x speed, absorbed all of that information, and then took the final exam and got an A.
1: <laughs> I mean, you're not... You're not telling people not to attend. You're just saying, augment the way you attend. Yeah, If you can attend, you, you attended all the classes at 2x speed because your teacher was slow. Yes,
0: two weeks before the <laughs> final exam. Well, you know, you got all the I have, information. I have a good short-term memory for test taking. Mm. Like, I'm very good at absorbing large amounts of information and retaining them just long enough until I write them down on the test, and then it just dumps out.
1: Yeah. I'm very, very similar. Bad
0: long-term when I walk
1: into, I remember when I got into personal finance and I work, created a financial planning firm, I had to go get licensed. So I had to go take my series 65 and later my 67. And I have like very, I have like two types of memory. I have like very good, very short term. So I get in there. And the first thing I do is I take a scratch piece of paper and I like write down a million things so that I have all my notes right there. And then I go take the test.
0: Yeah. No, I do that too. It's just a brain dump at the beginning of, yeah, I did <laughs> I did that too. Especially my first year of law school, a lot of the tests were all written, so you would be writing like 7-10 pages for this final exam and I would just get in, brain dump everything I would, I could and then start the test.
1: Yeah. One other college thing that was great and I I don't know how many college listeners we have, but in a lot of schools you can opt to take an exam instead of take the class. So I went in for a bunch of classes, probably like 4 or 5 classes in college and I would just said I'd like to test out of the class. And so you could just basically take... In these classes, the grade for the class wasn't 100% the final. So if that was the case, you could have just signed up for the class, not shown up and take the final. But you could just say, hey, I just want to take a test. And then they would say, okay, if you take the final and pass the final, you pass the class. And so there were a bunch of classes where I would request this. And teachers hated it because... They had to go like create a final. That A lot of classes, the final is really like, there's three tests throughout the year that cover a third of the content each. So they have to go create a test that tries to summarize the whole class. But the benefit is you get all the credits and you just have to take one test. And for some silly classes, where I, we had a class that was like, can you show that you know how to use Microsoft Word and Excel? I was like, I'm not going to sit for a <laughs> semester. Like I know how to use these things. And it was great.
0: Smart. At my old law firm, Someone used this word for me. They said, you're a maximizer. And I thought that was kind of smart. Like, I, I do like maximizing all situations.
1: So have you heard of the difference between a maximizer and a satisficer? No. Okay, so maximizing versus satisficing. I don't know where this is from. I will try to find something, send it to you. You can put it in show notes. But the idea is there are people out there who are trying to get the best outcome. I'm clearly there. It sounds like you're there also. And then there are people that are okay with an okay outcome. And the interesting thing is that maximizers get the better deals. And satisficers end up being more happier with their less better deals. Mm. And so I'm trying to learn how to be a better satisficer for the things where it doesn't matter. So I try when I'm making a decision to say, okay, here's a really important decision. It's really important. I'll maximize it. You're trying to figure out which house to buy. You're trying to figure out some, you know, who you're going to marry. Yeah, maximize that decision. Figure that out. But for small things, I'm trying to get better at forcing myself to satisfy. For a really simple decision, like I'm to the point where I'm like, if I'm at a restaurant, I'm like, ooh, can I look at all the Yelp reviews and try to figure out what the best thing on the menu is? And at the end of the day, I try to ask myself, in, in a week, am I even going to remember what I ate here? And if it's a decision that trivial, is there a better way to do it? And I interviewed um, Patrick McGuinness, who created the term FOMO and has thought a lot about these frameworks. And he was like, oh, I just look at my watch. I don't wear a watch, but he's like, I decide like chicken or fish. Chicken is if the second hand is on the left, fish is on the second (laughs) hand's on the right, look at the foot. I'm eating chicken. And I was like, oh God, way to just make that decision that I could probably spend 20 minutes trying to agonize over and just make it go away. Um, So that was one thing. Uh, Bigger decisions, outsourcing. So if you're like, oh, I need a new printer. I could spend hours reading printer reviews or I could just ask a friend who I think like could make a decision faster to make the decision for me. And then I'm like, now I don't have to think about it. Yeah. Um, I think you did that with your camera equipment. I did that with
0: my camera equipment it was, I've hired people who knew the podcasting space. I said, here's my credit card. Go get the best cameras and mics and everything out there. I don't want to see it because I know if I see it, I'm going to cry. <laughs> and I think they spent like $15,000.
1: Yeah. And so I'm I've jealous. I lost a
0: lot of money on this <laughs> I'm <podcast>. jealous because,
1: <laughs> because I maximized. So I was like, Ooh, what's the like most affordable, but not the best. And I spent all this time doing it. So I think learning to satisfy is something that maximizers can really benefit from. And, and even more, And learning to do it, learning when to do it and learning when to just pull the ripcord. You're planning hotels. I remember we were going on a trip and we were like, ah, there's four hotels. All of them are fine. Learning how to get to the point that you're like, I have maximized enough that I'm done.
0: Yeah. That is
1: the skill that I think I have really honed in the last year or two is trying to figure out when enough is enough. The problem is, I still get enjoyment from it. So, like, I'll give you some examples when shopping. So, I love saving money shopping. I'm not like a big shopper, I don't buy fancy clothes. But if I'm buying something online, like even if we did a renovation, I had to buy a toilet. You know, like I had to buy a toilet from Home Depot. You could just go to Home Depot and buy the toilet. I wanted a nice Toto toilet with a little Japanese toilet seat all built in. It was probably like $900. But I didn't want to pay $900. So I was like, what are all the ways you could do this? Okay, well, in my mind, every time I buy online, I'm like, there's a a stack of ways to save. It's like promo codes is probably a no-brainer. A lot of people have like the Honey extension, checks for promo codes. Great, easy. I also go into Cashback Monitor, which is like a site that shows you which portals, like Rakuten or Top Cashback, or even like Chase has a travel a portal to shop online. Who's going to give you the most cash back when you buy something at Home Depot? This, in fact, was Lowe's, but same concept. So I'm like, okay, so now I've got my 2% cashback going through the portal. I looked for promo codes. There weren't any. I was like, okay, what else? Okay, I found a coupon. So Lowe's has coupons, but I don't know where you get them or how you get them, but there are people that sell coupons online. People that figure out like where the coupons are. So I bought a 15% off Lowe's coupon for $2.99. And if you can't find them just Googling them, I go to Search Tempest, yeah. which is a site that searches Craigslist across the country. And I go to Search Tempest and I look for like Best Buy coupon or Lowe's coupon. And you find people that are just like, oh, I've got this coupon. I'm going to list it on Craigslist. Oh,
0: that's so But funny. you can use it
1: online, so it doesn't matter.
0: And then go a step further and there are people who sell Lowe's gift cards at not 100% of the value. Yes. So you get then, the Lowe's gift card. Did exactly. you do that?
1: Well, <laughs> I had to decide. So Lowe's gift cards weren't at as much of a good deal as I thought. So I went, and you can buy Lowe's gift cards on Amazon to the exact dollar amount you want, and you could put them on, an, I have an Amazon card that gets 5% cash back. So I was like, I'm getting 5% cash back from the Amazon card. If the discount was better, like there's these, I think gift card, gift card granny is like one of, there's all these sides. If it was 10% off a discounted gift card, would have gone there for sure. And you could buy, let's say you need $900, go buy a $500 gift card at 10% off, go buy the other 400 on Amazon. Um, or if you don't have an Amazon card, but you have a card that earns four points on groceries, go buy the Lowe's gift card at the grocery store. So it's like, I'm earning points on the purchase, right? Like the remaining dollars, I'm still getting those points. Plus I'm getting the gift card. uh, So I earn the discounted rate or the extra points buying the gift card. I'm getting the coupon. I'm getting the cashback portal. Like I'm stacking it all. And I think we saved like $120 on a $900 toilet, which is like a huge percentage deal.
0: Is it the one with, is it the Toto with all the features?
1: It's so. Look, if you want to get all the features on a Toto toilet, it's like six grand. Oh, uh, like okay. walk up to the toilet, it opens. Yeah. walk away, it closes. This was like entry level Toto toilet. Okay, uh, but you know it has. We'll
0: a, know we've made it when we get the six thousand dollars toilet, because in Japan, a lot of the apartments that's all standard. I know. So when I was living in Japan, that was my toilet. This I didn't know it was six thousand dollars, but it just came with the apartment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you walk into a department store bathroom in Japan. There's a thousand, you know, six thousand dollars. Even the airports,
0: airports have the six thousand dollar toilets.
1: So when I walk up to my toilet and it opens for me, I will feel like I am set.
0: But you'll still have like, (laughs) you'll have gone through the process of finding all the coupons for it and everything. Yeah, yeah. I won't
1: pay full price. (laughs) That will never happen. But if you can't find coupon codes, uh, my favorite thing is going to the live chat and asking for coupons. So I've gone to sites and I'm like, hey, I couldn't find a coupon anywhere. I wanted floor mats. Couldn't find floor mats anywhere. Or sorry. Couldn't find coupons for the floor mats anywhere. So I just asked them, I'm like, hey, I'm trying to save a little bit extra. These are a little bit more expensive than I want. And the person's like, click this link, cart refresh, 15% off. So even when you can't find a coupon code, you can just ask. And that live chat for me on any shopping site, I'm never not clicking it. I'm always asking, "What's a can you give me a better deal, something? 50% of the time they say no, but 50% of the time they say yes. Yeah. And one time someone said, I was trying to buy a gift for my wife and there was no coupon." They were like, we don't have any coupons. They're like... But we have a referral program if you can find a friend to refer you. So I go to Twitter and I just search like the name of the product and referral. And I found a random person who I don't know. You're welcome if you're out there, a random person. I got you some <laughs> referral bonuses. And then I use their referral code to get a discount.
0: I saw a funny TikTok where a lot of these companies they'll have influencers promote for them and they'll give the influencers coupons to give to their audience. And it's very predictable. It's like pick the most common names. Emma 10 or Emma 15, and just try those. And a lot of times they work.
1: Oh, here, you'll love this one. So back in the day, Uber had this promo code where if you put in, uh, you know, they had a promo. It was like, I think it was spring 20. And you got 20% off your first ride with spring 20. To this day, my Uber promo code is fall 20 because they launched spring 20 and all these people saw it. They knew it was there. And then when spring passed, I think they might've gone to summer 20. I can't remember. But basically when fall came, random people were trying to find promo codes and they went to those websites where they list promo codes and they listed like spring 20 and they would try it and it wouldn't work. So they would try fall 20 and then my promo code would get used. And so- You
0: should have gone to those sites and <laughs> listed fall 20. I should have 20. listed
1: fall 20. That would have been the extra hack that Do at Do you know the time- how much you made? I don't. It wasn't as much as I wanted, um, which was like I wanted to ride, you know, Uber for free for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> but I know multiple people redeemed my promo code. And I didn't even have to do anything. So I, you know, no. Know, now knowing that you go do this, if someone's like, "What what promo code do you want?" Don't go make some obscure thing. Go put like Peter ten or Peter fifteen or you know, like John seven. You know.
0: You know what's funny though is after I went viral on TikTok. Now I'm so much more cautious about what I do because I'm so afraid, like if I ask a customer service agent, hey, is there any chance you have a coupon? They're going to be like, this is Erica from TikTok. And then they're going to make a video of it being like, this is Erica being a cheapo. (laughs) And they're going to post it.
1: But it's on brand, right? It's like, your brand is like, I'm trying to find these deals. I'm trying to find these hacks. I'm trying to tell people. So of course I, I like approach it with the opposite. I'm like, <laughs> if I'm not asking you for a deal, like I'm not true to myself. My, my listeners are going to be disappointed. My watchers are gonna be disappointed. So you I know, just get
0: shy uh, now. <laughs> I'll have you do it for yeah, me. Yeah, I'll just do be like, you go work. in there.
1: Yeah. Or you know, you got a husband and be like, Hey, can you go search for these deals? In your His name? name
0: is very similar.
1: Uh, <laughs> um, other fun money things. This is a weird one. It's like kind of maybe more for people with kids, but I love it. Almost every museum and zoo, when you buy tickets to the museum or the zoo, they're just regular dollars, nothing special. But when you buy a membership, it's tax deductible. And we found that the cost of a membership, if you factor in the fact that it's a donation and you get a tax break, it was cheaper for us when my in laws were in town to go to the Academy of Sciences in San Francisco, the Oakland Zoo it was cheaper to buy a membership for the whole year factoring in the tax deduction than it was to buy four tickets. Um, So if you, I mean, obviously then you're also supporting this local thing, you know, like it's great. It's triple win on everything, but donations, tickets are not tax deductible, but donations are. So if there's a, a thing you go to a lot, whether it's an art museum or a zoo or a science museum, you can usually get tax deduction for buying a membership. That's one. I just want to make sure before we go, I want to rattle off a few great ones. Libraryextension.com is amazing. You install this browser extension and you tell it where you live and what your local libraries are. And then when you're browsing Amazon, anytime you see a book, it'll just pop up. Here's all the places you can get the ebook for free from your local library. Do you Um, use Libby? So Libby... Is like a third of what library extension is. Oh. So Libby, like Libby is one of those sources. So you sign into Libby with your local library, right? And then you, and get, then you get access to you all get of these free books. But for the San Francisco Public Library, there's whatever Libby ties into, there's like Access 360. The San Francisco Public Library has three different ebook providers that any book you want might be on. Libby's one of them, but there are two others. And library extension has all of them. So oh. I just anytime I'm like, do I want to go get an ebook? Amazon, boom, is it available? Great. Or if you live in a place where there's like two or three branches, you can go and get a membership to those three different libraries, and then you can add all of them to library extension. So I love that. Unclaimed money, dual benefit here. Uh, One, for some reason, and as a diligent saver and optimizer, somehow I still had unclaimed money. So how this works, let's say you overpay your utility bill or you pay your utility bill in advance and then you cancel and the utility bill company owes you $50 and you didn't give them an address of where you moved. So now they try to mail it, but it doesn't get to you because you don't live there. Now they owe you $50. Well, there's this registrar online for every state of where all the unclaimed money is. And you can go in and claim all the money that people owe you. And sometimes... I just did this the other day and my wife got a check for $1. I got a check for $10. Maybe it wasn't worth it. But people have saved hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars. A lot of times, if you have a medical thing, you might have to pay for a medical bill and then your insurance ends up covering it and like you never get the money back. This will go and say, hey, there's actually this outstanding thing that you're owed. Um, I had like a $50 credit on Delta that somehow ended up here. And I was like, so I think you should just go search or if you're going to your parents or your friends' houses for dinner, Go search them. What better welcome gift? Forget the bottle of wine. Walk in and say, hey, did you know I found that you're owed $150?
0: That's brilliant.
1: Another thing that when it comes to shopping is using your credit card, not because you want points. Of course you do. That's why I use my card everywhere. But because credit cards come with such great purchase protection. If you buy something, um, if it gets broken, you drop your iPhone within the first three months, they're usually going to reimburse you the cost. Not like, hundred dollar deductible, fully reimbursed Buy an SD card. One time I put it in the washing machine and I was like, look, it might still work, but I don't trust it. Replaced. I use this anytime I buy something and it breaks in the first 90, 120 days, depending on your card. And it saved me so much money. They also extend your warranty. If you have a warranty on something for a year, they'll usually extend it for another year.
0: If it gets stolen, they'll replace that.
1: Yeah. So you need to be like I said earlier, go read your guide to benefits. It's shocking how you sometimes have these benefits. You're like, oh my gosh. And one time I broke my iPhone and replaced the screen. And then six months later, it broke. I had to pay for that one. Wasn't within the 90 days, but I replaced the screen. I promise I don't break my iPhone that much, but it's happened three times in my whole life. And it happened in a very short window of time. But after I broke it and paid for it, it broke again in the next 90 days. And because I had paid to buy the screen, they reimbursed me to replace the broken screen. So- um, I just think anytime something happens within the first three months of you buying it, whether it's lost or definitely take advantage of it. You can do it all online. It's not, yes, sometimes they're like, send us the receipt and send us, but if it's an expensive thing, um, like shorts, I bought a pair of running shorts and they had like those liners in them and they disintegrated, they replaced those. I don't know, don't you have a bunch of hacks for how if you buy athletic clothes, you get them like completely reimbursed? So many, reimbursed? so
0: many. I mean, the easiest one is Nike. They have a two-year warranty on most things. So if it gets damaged or teared within the first two years, you can go replace it.
1: Even if it's been worn and you've got Even of, if
0: it's been worn. Even yeah. if it's past the return policy. Yeah. There's another one I was looking through. I, I do, as a hobby, read through my credit card benefits. But obviously, now that I'm creating content online, I also read through them to figure out what I can make videos about. There was one that I saw where— a lot of people get their packages stolen. And sometimes Amazon doesn't want to take responsibility. FedEx doesn't want to take responsibility. Well, in that case, the credit card may take responsibility.
1: Oh. So they'll
0: actually, if you get a package stolen, go talk to your credit card and they may reimburse you for that purchase.
1: Yeah. They'll probably be like, have you talked to Amazon first? Yeah. But-
0: they'll ask you who you've talked to first, for yeah. sure.
1: Yeah. Um- so I think that's another big one. I mean, look, we could go for hours here. I could go through like health stuff, life stuff, but you know, we're not going to make people listen to a five-hour podcast. We because- should have like a
0: shark tank <laughs> where they judge our hacks. Like whose, are, whose hacks are better? Yeah, where do you get
1: account. all of yours?
0: I'm usually just reading the terms. I'll figure out what companies people care about, people in my audience care about, go through, read their 20, 30-page terms and figure out which ones could make good videos.
1: It's so funny that we both have like a similar thing that we're obsessed with. It's like getting deals and optimizing. And my version of it is like going out and looking for all the information and talking to people and playing and testing. And you're like, I'm going to go read the fine print, which is very I go on-brand. to stores
0: too. Like I'll go to Sephora, I'll go to Costco and just talk to the employees. A lot of times now they'll say, oh, are you Erica from TikTok? And I'll say, yeah. So I'm thinking about making a hack about, for Costco, is there anything you can share with me? And they're so happy to share with me these inside tips.
1: Is there a Costco trick?
0: Yes. It's going to be in a video though. Oh. What are you most excited about next?
1: Gosh, I feel like in the last year, I've grown all the hacks, the podcast, newsletter, everything to be something that's really like become a full time thing. Like, I'm a creator. It's it's like kind of a weird thing for me going through so many different arcs of my career. And I'm excited to have more time to just dig into all of this. I want to find more deals like you. Maybe not from the fine print, but uh, whatever angles I have, I want to help people try to be happy and be fulfilled, get better deals, travel more luxuriously, like do all those things, but keep being able to spend less and save more while they do it.
0: I love that. We have this closing tradition. The podcast is called Erica Taught Me, but really today is all about Chris Taught Me. So what do you want people to walk away from this podcast being able to say, Chris taught me this?
1: I think so often people think that trying to optimize is about sacrificing. You know, you're like, "Ah, I need to save some money. So that means I can't do the things I used to do. And the lesson I want people to take away is that there is a way to do it where you approach, let's find a different way to do this, right? You travel, you see how people are doing things in different ways, bring that to your own life and say, how could I cut costs or cut my budget, but still live the same fulfilling, exciting journey that I've been on for my whole life I love that. You know, maybe you want to go all the way to maximizing like, you know, you and I do. Maybe you want to stop a little bit short and satisfy. I don't care where you are on that spectrum. I just want you to know that trying to optimize your life, focusing on happiness, focusing on joy is not something that requires you to cut everything if you start to figure out all the hacks and all the tricks that you can apply to make it work for you.
0: Love it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed today's episode, Chris has a podcast called All the Hacks that I'll put the link to in the show notes, and I have a huge favor to ask. It would mean a lot if you could take just a moment to leave a review for the podcast. Even just one sentence is perfect. It really helps support the work we're doing. Thank you so much for spending your time with me today, and I'll talk to you next Tuesday on a brand new episode of Erica Taught Me.